friends, welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz. So today we are gonna talk about gaslighting. Yes! Has there ever been a time in your life within a professional, personal, maybe a friendship, um, even within a family member, uh, within, within a relationship with your family, where you have felt like perhaps the other person was out to make you feel crazy, like they were manipulating a situation where you sat there wondering or questioning yourself, is what I just did or said really true? And you know at the core that you think you're right, but you're not really sure. So gaslighting is something that needs to be talked about within relationships in across the board. And today I have on a special, a dear guest, Sarah. Sarah Morales is a colleague of mine. She is a certified life and leadership, sorry, life and relationship coach who has been coaching professionally for nine years. During that time, she has contracted with numerous helping professionals and spoken at national conferences, all from the lens of her gaslighting expertise. So in 2021, her gaslighting specialty is culminating in her soon-to-be-released Deconstructing Gaslighting Offerings. There's an app, mini-course, and podcast, all aimed at empowering others to better understand and identify gaslighting in their lives and relationships. Sarah's passion to empower others to transform their lives fuels her work with her clients and pushes her to continue developing new programs on the cutting edge of helping others grow to know, trust, and love themselves more than they knew was possible. So Sarah is a really sweet woman. I love her so much. She's a colleague, like I said, and she really knows her shit, let me tell you. So I want you to please grab your journal, grab your pen, listen to this, take notes. Gaslighting is something that needs to be understood within a relationship. You are not going crazy. Let me tell you that right now. Um, before I start this podcast, I just want to remind you, we do have a retreat coming up. And by the time this releases, I'm not sure if it will be filled. Um, we have a retreat in Alaska coming up, kayaking through Port William Sound, July 23rd through the 29th, nature healing, kayaking with orcas, sea lions, seals, porpoises, glaciers, camping. It's going to be phenomenal. If it fills up by the time that this releases, please look into our 2022 um, retreat, Alaska retreat, because we will most likely be offering it again. We also have in October, a Grand Canyon retreat, um, transformational healing. It's amazing. Three months of coaching, co-ed. There will be meditating, coaching, um, hiking, adventure. It is healing. It is going to be off the hook. They always are. If this is something that interests you, please message me, Sarah at sarahsheltoncrans.com. DM me, find me on Instagram, Facebook, find me on the trail if you need to. Let's have the conversation and see if it's the right fit for you. We are worthy human beings and we all deserve to create the life that we love. And I am here to guide you every step of the way. So with that, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with Sarah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Schulting Kranz. And I have on here a dear friend and colleague, Sarah Morales. The reason that I brought her into this podcast episode is because I know that with all of you, you love to hear from personal stories, but then you also love professional uh, education and the education behind the whys and the whats and the hows and all of the things. And so Sarah comes to us with some deep knowledge about gaslighting. And that word is something that I knew nothing about until about seven years ago. Um, and so we're going to dive all in on this term and what it is and how we can identify it, where we can find it within our own lives, where it's happening, how we can understand it better so that we can learn and grow and heal. And, and with that, I highly suggest that you go grab your journal and your pen because you'll want to take notes on this one. Just trust mm -hmm. me. 
Mm-hmm. So Sarah, welcome. Thank welcome you, Sarah. Super Thank excited you. to see you um, and to be with you during this time. Let's start with a little bit about who you are and how the heck did you get into this work? Yeah. So it's funny that you said sometimes it's personal story and sometimes it's education because this is kind of a mix of both for me. Um, you know, I got into this world of gaslighting because I had to, right? Like same as you, I didn't know what this word was before 2013. And I was um, starting to coach in a therapeutic practice and they were doing an intensive on gaslighting and they're like, hey, we want your input as a partner. And I was like, well, okay, but I don't know what gaslighting is. And they handed me a book and that changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I believe that information is power. And I believe that part of naming things in is a is a key part of mastering information. And so for me, I had this voracious appetite of being able to name all the different things and understand all the different moving parts. Because gaslighting to me is like a, a it's like a grandfather clock with all these different cogs and all these different little pieces and nuances. And it's very it can be very intricate. And I wanted to understand it all. So I just I just dove in. For me, and not just in the area of who my ex was, but for me to truly know myself and get to the center of who I really was, I needed to understand gaslighting. And so it's kind of like they say, the rest is history. I just dove in. No, no, no looking back. All in. There you go. Isn't that interesting? That's mm-hmm. how so many of us end up in this field. And I think the other part to this is it's important for all of us professionals um, to continue to doing the work, continue the mm-hmm. work so that you can also continue guiding others to their mm-hmm. um, elevated space. So I'm really excited to hear about all that's happening in your life, which we'll get into later. Um, so tell us, okay, what the hell is gaslighting? Like, okay. just give us a definition, tell us about it, um, dive in with it because okay. again, I didn't know what it was until I, you know, seven years Absolutely. ago. So what is it? Yeah, so let me back up just a tiny little bit. For me, um, the more I started to work with gaslighting and then people would come to me and I'd work with them with gaslighting, I saw that there is not a one size fits all with this concept. And I also saw that as I put material out there, would read blogs or write blogs and have people hear back or hear back from people. Um, I saw that people were really confused by the definition, by the actual definition of gaslighting, because they would be like, well, I connect with this part, but all of this over here doesn't pertain to my story. So am I being gaslit or not? So I was driven to really come up with a better definition of what gaslighting is. And so for me, the definition that I use to explain what gaslighting is, is when one person, or it can be a group of people through covert behaviors, convinces another person that what they think, believe, perceive, or feel is inaccurate or invalid. What I've done with this definition and in my, the way I believe I've done with this definition is I've separated gaslighting out into a behavior and an experience. And to me, that's very key with the way that I work with people on how to shift the power around gaslighting in their lives is to understand gaslighting as a behavior that people do, but then it's an, also an experience that happens between two people. And if I can understand the experiential side, if I can see the gaslighting behavior, I don't have to get sucked into it. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's really important. <laughs> can you give us an ex- an example of what gaslighting is? I can. Um, so, okay. Uh, here, put me on. Like, do you want like a story or do you want me to like the technical words? Just, What's uh, that? just within a relationship between two people, give us an example of when one person will go through the process of gaslighting another person. Sure. So a very common um, gaslighting behavior that doesn't even have to be somebody who's intentionally trying to control or break another person. That's one of the things that I wanted my definition to steer people away from because most people don't know that they're doing gaslighting. So very common gaslighting phrase would be something like you're overreacting. Mm. Um, in that simple state um, phrase, pardon me, what I'm doing is I'm basically defining for somebody else what is an appropriate emotional response to their experience. Mm. I don't I don't get to do that for right. anybody else but me. I get to define what's good and right and healthy for me as an emotional response, but I don't get to do that for somebody else. They feel they might feel 
something different in the same exact situation that I'm in. So by me saying that I am, I, sorry, for me saying you're overreacting, what I'm doing there is I'm telling you that I'm repeating myself. You said you can edit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. and Yeah, go ahead. And uh, we'll back up. Okay. Okay. Going. Sorry. Okay. So where should I start from? Um, let's start from actually, where is this at right now? Uh, so I don't do my editing. So okay. From, somebody else do you want to start from just giving an example? Do you want to start from there? Yeah, let's start from there. Okay. 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 So can you give us an example of where there is gaslighting happening within a relationship? Yeah. So well, a very common phrase that is used in a gaslighting exchange is going to be you're overreacting or you expect too much or something that infers that I get to define for you what you should want, what you should feel, what you should expect. Right. And I don't get to do that for anybody but myself. So when we go back to my definition of what gaslighting is, anytime I invalidate your feelings by saying you're overreacting, I'm gaslighting you. I'm trying to convince you that you should feel the way that I feel or the way that I think you should feel about whatever the situation is. Again, I don't, I don't get to do that. Right, right, right. And I know that for my own self, um, that was happening a lot within my own relationship where there were times, which is, which is interesting because this is where I, I really learned a lot about myself and learned more deeply about my relationship and how things were ending up the way that they were. Um, you know, for example, I would state a certain thing and it would be, no, it's not that it's that I'm doing X, Y, Z, right. And completely Mm -hmm. manipulating and gaslighting a situation to make me think that I was actually in the wrong. Right. Which then I know for my own self, and I'm sure that you probably with your clients too, what does that do? That messes with their intuition because our intuition is saying one thing, but then we're being told another by external X, you know, by other sources. Mm -hmm. And so then we sit there and wonder, are we really are we really the, the correct or are we not? Are we seeing things clearly or, or are we not? Which is very difficult then because you start to question your own self. You question your mind, you question your intuition, you question everything mm-hmm. about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's a real, this is a fascinating topic for me to, to dive into even further. So how do you um, identify when you see how, if, if I'm in a relationship and I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, I might be getting gaslit. How do I know? How do I know if I'm actually getting gaslit or if, or if um, it's just, or if it truly is me not sure about something? Right. That's a great question. And that's a question that a lot of people ask when they're coming out of a gaslighting relationship, right? Like, how do I know? Is this just a response that I'm having because I was gaslit so long and all of these types of things? So that's a great question. Um, and what I would say is when we're looking at trying to figure out whether or not something is gaslighting, again, we're looking at it as the behavior and the experience, right? And so um, I've actually um, created an app to help people with this, kind of think of it like flashcards, let me identify the different things. And our authentic power is really focusing on the experience part, but it is also helpful to name the behavior part, right? So if we want to get good at something, you know, we familiarize ourselves with the terms and the topics and all of those kinds of things. So I really try to encourage people to try to get familiar with the behaviors as a way to see that behavior when it's happening, right? So for example, if I can see that somebody is saying something that is manipulative, the authentic power part is I can say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to let myself be manipulated out of this. Like this person is saying something that's really causing my, um, my values or my needs to be in conflict. So for example, um, I've had a lot of women who are uh, in the place where they were ready to ask for a separation. And when they would go to their their spouse and ask for a separation, uh, the spouse would respond something like, well, okay, but if you do this, it's going to harm the kids, mm-hmm. right? So now my needs and my values of you know, be taking care of my kids and keeping my quote family intact for my own mental, emotional safety are now in conflict with each other, right? So if, however, we're in a place where we can see that that is coming, we can say, no, like, I see what you're trying to do and the kids are going to be okay. What they need is a mom who is grounded and clear and I need to be separated in order to do that, 
right? So if we can identify the behaviors and we can see them coming, it's easier for us to not get sucked into the experiential part of gaslighting. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I a hundred percent. So how do you work with clients that are going through this process of gaslighting? And especially if they've, if they've been having this type of, if they've been in a relationship where this has been happening for so many years, mm-hmm. how do you untangle what's happened in their heart and their head to understand the difference? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, it's hard because it can be, there are a thousand different ways that it might come out in the different scenarios. Well, this happened here and this happened there. I do typically try to help people look at their own vulnerabilities, to mm-hmm. be honest, right? Like, we all have vulnerabilities that make us differently um, susceptible to gaslighting, right? So typically when I'm teaching people how to, to differentiate, I try to teach them to actually look at one of four traps. One is the empathy trap. The other is what I call the see me trap, which means I'm, I still want to be seen and known by my person that I actually get stuck explaining all of the things about myself every time they try to gaslight me. You're expecting too much. You want too much. You're too angry. Um, there is the negotiation trap and the explanation trap and negotiation actually isn't with the other person. It's negotiating with yourself, basically making concessions. Well, they, you know, they say that they're trying their hardest and we actually minimize our own needs and our own desires in that, um, trap. So I actually try to help them focus on that, right? So if they're seeing the behavior, if they're seeing somebody's being manipulative or coercive, right, or one of the different tactics, then we say, how is that hitting me? Is it hitting the empathy trap for me? Is it hitting the see me trap for me? And then we look at how do I connect to what is truth for me? What are my values in this situation? What do I feel in this situation? What are my thoughts in the situation? I hear theirs, but what are mine? Mm-hmm. Can you state those four traps one more time? I can. Yes. The empathy trap. Okay. Would you like me to give a little bit of like a one liner about what it is too? Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. The empathy trap is when we engage so quickly in shifting our perspective to the other person's point of view that we actually end up losing ourselves. Right. So we don't stay connected to our truth, our needs, our boundaries. The second one is the see me trap, which is our normal, healthy human desire to be seen by our person actually causes us to give away some of our power by basically begging to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the third and the fourth pretty much go together and they're the explanation trap and the negotiation trap. And the easiest way to, to kind of communicate how those two go together succinctly is by saying when we explain, someone tells us something, usually it's a half truth. And so our brain kind of latches onto the part that makes enough sense for us to kind of dig our teeth into. And then we explain away our gut, right? Like, okay, well, that makes sense, but something still doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And then we negotiate with ourselves. Well, at least they're fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. right? So that was kind of traps. What it does is it slowly over time, gaslighting is is an experience that happens over time, right? We don't get gaslit usually day one that we're told something or that we're given a gaslighting statement, it happens over time. And so we end up giving away more and more of our connection to ourselves, our knowing, our truth, our voice. And that to me is the greatest tragedy of gaslighting. Yeah. I always ask that question. uh, What do you know to be true? What do you know? What do you know to be true? And this is a really good question for all of you to just simply write down and use mm-hmm. when you are in a situation where you're like, hmm, something just feels off, right? Or like my gut feels off on this, or I don't think that's the case with me, or geez, I, I think I'm pretty good at this. And somebody else is telling you something otherwise, mm-hmm. ask yourself that question. What do you know to be true? I love that. And it is, a, and it is a really good question that takes you into the next phase of, um, of truthfully listening to your intuition and, and trust, trusting yourself. Yeah. I think for so many of us, when we've been in relationships that are toxic and when we have lived through gaslighting, um, we start to doubt ourselves so much that what do we do? We don't trust ourselves. Right. And so rebuilding that trust starts from this point. It starts from that one, that one place of what do you know to be true? 
It does. And, you know, for me, the even uh, like the next level of that, of that question too, is I use the phrase, I did this again, personal story and education. Mm-hmm. I did this for myself, probably for a good few years where I would literally say either out loud or to myself, let me check in with myself about that. From everything from what do I want to have for breakfast <laughs> to do I want to have a conversation with this person? Like everything I would check in. And when I say check in, I mean, head, heart, and gut. Mm-hmm. Because what we're looking for ultimately when we're trying to heal from gaslighting is congruence between all three. Yeah. Because oftentimes when we're experiencing a gaslighting um, episode, one of those three will be out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we check in, what is my head saying? Okay, well, this is what my head says in this in- instance. What is my heart saying? And what is my gut saying? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So it, I'm a partner mm-hmm. and I've gone through, I'm, I'm using my own experience, but I've been, I've gone through a lot of gaslighting. What is it like for the partner to experience all of this and how can this affect them? How can it affect them within their life, within their relationships, within their body, within just everything? Yeah. I mean, you already explained some of it or communicated some of it. I think chronic self-doubt is a huge effect of, of having experienced gaslighting, um, confusion, right? I think for a lot of people, um, a lot of my clients and myself um, included, we lose parts of ourselves. or like, I don't feel like I'm the same person anymore. I'm less confident. I know for me, I felt, um, just so much of my identity had been stripped away, right? Like I didn't, I, not only did I not feel confident, like there were little nuances, like at one point in my life, I thought I was really funny. And then by the time, like my ex had his way, his way with me gaslighting. So it's, I was, I didn't think I was the funny one, right? Like I thought my sense of humor was stupid or whatever. When actually I'm hilarious. So it's like, I don't know how that one actually worked, but it did. But no, seriously though, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's not always about the acting out, right? A, a lot of our clients come from the essay world or the infidelity the betrayal kind of world. It's not, the, the gaslighting behaviors aren't always about that. A lot of times it's a lot ab- about our feelings, right? And about what we want and think and need in a relationship. Um, so it's not always to cover up the addictive or problematic behavior. Um, but a- again, to continue to um, answer your question of what is it like for the person that is being gaslit? I wrote down in preparation for this some some phrases that I think are pretty common that express what is it like. Um, that I've heard from my clients over the years. Why do I feel so miserable? Why does it feel like something is wrong, but I don't know what it is? Why do I feel so lost? Mm. I used to feel confident and now I feel like a shadow of my formal self. I'm exhausted by the mental gymnastics I feel like I'm always doing. I'm struggling to make decisions. I don't even know what I want anymore. Mm. Mm, that last one. Oh, Right. Or the simple, who the hell am I? Yeah. Because when you've been gaslit or when you've been had manipulation happen to you, you literally have been stripped down and you may not know, you may not even recognize a portion of yourself. Mm-hmm. So why the hell do people do this? Like what I actually like, I want to know, yeah. I, but, in, and I, and I, I do know, but I want you to share why yeah. do people do this? And here's the other thing that I just want to also bring into something. I was having a conversation with one of my friends a long time ago on the trail, of course, one of my guy friends, and he was dealing with some stuff at work mm-hmm. corporation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I explained to him, I said, well, this is gaslighting my friend. Like, this is what mm-hmm. this is. He didn't have a clue what it was, went and looked it up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, now I know what this is. Now I understand how to deal with this behavior. Yeah. So those of you that are listening, understand that relationships are not only between two people. Relationships are between friends. Relationships are between family members, your own children, maybe gaslighting you, um, people within your business, within work, um, mm-hmm. I mean, across the board, your neighbor may be gaslighting you. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And that's why it's also important to understand what this is. My secondary piece to this is why, what is the, what is the reasoning behind it? Why do people do this? Yeah. So from my, it's, I love that you asked that, um, you know, I actually created a scale to help people conceptualize 
uh, why people do gaslighting behaviors and their level of awareness, mm. right? Because when I first started um, studying gaslighting, I was like, shit, I think I've done this to my kids. Oh, interesting. Right? Not that they did it to me, but like I did it to my kids. And it's an example I often use where that whole, you know, you're overreacting thing, guilty. Mm. I said that to my oldest son. Um, and I use this story frequently to communicate. I didn't know what I was doing, right? My presenting need, I thought I needed to teach my son how to manage his emotions. My deeper need was to deal with the shame I had around my, my son being hurt. Like if I was a better mom, I would have been aware and he wouldn't have been running around the house and he wouldn't have gotten hurt. But my brain wanted to protect me from those feelings and made this shortcut of, oh, Sarah, you just need to teach your kid how to manage his emotions better. Yeah. Suck right? it up. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, seriously. Right. Plus all the times I've been gaslit, like in all right. the different sports and whatever I played, like suck it up. Like you're not hurt, you know, just dust it off, <laughs> dust it off. Like, right. You just got hit in the head, but you know, whatever, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Right. But, but all kidding aside, so I really actually believe um, there's been a disservice to a lot of people who are trying to identify gaslighting in their lives by the way that a lot of it's presented in social media, because it's really fixated on the narcissist or kind of like antisocial personality disorder, like basically the guy from Gaslight, the movie, right? Who's this like villainous, like totally aware. I know what I'm doing. I'm yeah. evil, right? Like all gaslighters are like that. Tell us about that because this is actually where the term came from. So tell us exactly. Yeah. So it came from the movie and in the movie, Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman started and it was about 1940s ish, right? So it's almost 80 year old term hasn't really changed a whole lot in that time. Um, he systematically from the start of the movie does things to Ingrid Bergman's character to woo her, then to convince her to do a number of different things. Then he starts uh, doing things systematically to her in order to cause her to doubt her ability to trust herself. Like, I'm not feeling well. She, um, you know, you're going to go crazy like your mom did and ended up in an asylum. All of these kinds of things to where at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, she had an exchange with this detective that was actually a good exchange. But when he left, she thought she made the whole thing up. Yeah. She was so disconnected from what she knew to be true that she couldn't tell between real life people that she was meeting versus what she thought might be in her head. Um, so the point about that is, is that Charles Boye's character was doing this for a reason. He ultimately wanted her to be out of the house because there was hidden treasure in the house. He had a goal in mind. He knew what he was doing. It was completely intentional. So that's what's been associated with gaslighting. And again, that's why it's been so confusing and really, really, it can actually be it can cause more trauma when people think that if my person is doing these gaslighting behaviors, then that must mean that they're a monster, right? When what I've actually found is there are different motives, and it's not just me, it's partially based on some of my coachings, but some of it on the different research and books that I've read and different things that I've compiled, right? Um, so, but there are varying levels of awareness from unaware to fully aware. And then there are varying levels of reasons that I categorize into three reasons why people gaslight. The first, which usually goes with less aware, right, um, is to get a need met. And by need, I'm saying presenting need. It's usually not the deeper, more fully known need, right? Like I need to feel loved so I might manipulate somebody into loving me, right? That's not a real true deep need. But, and again, the person doesn't know I'm going to manipulate them. They do this behavior. They're not even aware that they're being manipulative. Right. Doesn't mean they're not. They are. They're doing something that's not healthy or good or right. If you go up this scale, then you're looking at people that usually gaslight or do gaslighting behaviors to protect. And so what I mean to protect, this is not the gallant, I'm going to protect the person that I love. This is self-protection. Okay. So these are people that are usually a little bit more aware, right? They might aware I'm being manipulative, but they don't really understand what they're doing to the other person or that the harm really that, and again, depending on the level of awareness, um, how much harm they're doing to the relationship. Again, I did this to a teacher in high school, right? I hadn't completed an assignment. 
and I manipulated the teacher. He loved me. And I was like, Hey, can I, can I actually have more time? I did a good, you know, version of this, but I can do better. Hadn't done it at all. <laughs> Had not written the piece, right? Manipulated the teacher. I knew what I was doing, but I wasn't trying to break him. I was trying to protect my grade. Mm-hmm. That was my motive. It was self-centered. It was wrong, right? It's not a good thing to do. You should be honest. But I wasn't being malicious. I wasn't like, oh, I hate this teacher and I want to control him, right? It was like, I need to protect my grade. I'm trying to graduate with a 4.0, right? Like, right. right. And then as you go up the scale, it is to, to have power over another person, to control the other person. And those are the people that tend, not always, but tend to be more aware. You could have somebody who's very high on the narcissism scale and they don't, they're so unaware of their own selves that they don't know which their motives are. Right. Um, but I, but you can unpack that a little bit more, um, actually quite a bit more to, to get more detailed into what need protect and control is, but I've pretty much grouped them into those three areas. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's fascinating too, thinking about the fact that we just, you know, just partners, me being a partner can also be gaslighting other people and not even realize it. Absolutely. There's so many times in our own life. I know that I, and I'm the same way where I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Trying to, you know, not even realizing that I was manipulating or, or gaslighting somebody into something. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating. This mm-hmm. is a very fascinating topic. I got to tell you. You know, it, it is to me too. And I think one of the things that first really opened the door for me to look at this differently is when I was working with partners who were with addicts that I believed were in good recovery, but they were still doing gaslighting behaviors. Hmm. Right. So it's like, why would that be? They're not, they're not hiding, you know, addict behaviors anymore. And so I got really curious around that. And I was like, these are shame responses. Hmm. Hmm. Right. This, this yeah. is a, I can't be wrong again. I can't be the one hurting you again. Like it has to be about somebody or something else because my, my shame bucket is full. Mm. Right? Again, not an okay reason to gaslight. You got to learn how to reduce your shame bucket. <laughs> right. Right. But it's, it's different than that protect thing. They're no longer trying to protect a secret or no longer trying to protect an addiction. They might be trying to protect their core. Right. right. But you're going down that scale. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. So when you're talking about shame bucket, give us what is what exactly are you talking about when you for those people that don't know what a shame bucket is? What is that? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I kind of just made up that phrase on the spot, but you know, maybe it's a real thing. Yeah. Um for me, it's like when we, you know, when we are working through especially addicts when they're when they're kind of newer in recovery and they're so aware of all the crappy things that they've done and all the ways that they've hurt other people and lied to themselves and all of these things but yet they don't have enough tools to deal with that shame. They're in this place where their awareness plus, you know, their inability means that all of these things, they're just, they're just sitting in a bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, and it's full. Whereas, you know, if I do something that's wrong and I'm kind of ashamed of what I did and I was like, wow, that was really a bad thing, Sarah, right? Like, first of all, it's probably going to go to guilt instead of shame in the first place. But if right. it does go to shame, like I'm able to deal with it. So my shame kind of bucket doesn't get full. But if my shame bucket is full and then I do something and my person that I love is like, here I am hurt again because of you, I have no space for that. Yeah. It has nowhere to go. So yeah. I have to find somewhere else for it to go. And again, these things happen lightning quick in our brain when we're, when we're talking about this level of awareness. The person doesn't think, huh, I can't deal with the same shame. So I'm going to gaslight my person into believing it's their fault. It's a, it's a defense mechanism. Right. And again, doesn't mean it's okay, but that's part of their relational healing that they do as they continue to work on themselves is to learn how to not gaslight their person when they're feeling ashamed. So I have a question for you. Is manipulation the same as gaslighting? No, it's not. Okay. So <laughs> let's dive into this. Okay. I'd love to, because it's a common, common misconception. In fact, when I first really started working on this professionally, a lot of professional colleagues, um, well, not colleagues, but a lot of people in the professional realm would say things like, yeah, I know what gaslighting 
thing is it's basically the same thing as manipulation. And again, the more I dove into it and studied it, it's not the same. It's a big component of it. I teach about seven tactics, no, sorry, seven techniques that can be used um, to do a gaslighting behavior. That and lying, I would say, are the two biggest, mm-hmm. right? So it is, and that, that it is a very big part of it, and that's why people confuse it. But if we're going to boil it down um, to the difference between manipulation and gaslighting, usually, usually manipulation is something that people do in order to get another person to do something, right? So if I, you know, if we both have kids that are going to the same school and and I really don't want to pick them up from school today, I might, you know, press on your, your empathy button uh-huh. by being manipulative and saying, Hey, you know, this is my sob story. Please pick up my kid for me. Right. And then you pick up your kid for me. Right. Right. Gaslighting is when I use manipulation, which is playing against someone in an unfair manner. Basically it's a loose definition of it. I'm doing it in order to get you to change your perception or your feelings or your thoughts about something. So if my tactic instead is, you know what, Sarah, if you were a good friend, you would pick up my kid for me. Right. And so, uh, yeah. Right. And so it's like, it's like thinking, okay, well, and then the, the, what happens in the person is like, okay, well, wow. Well, I really want to be a good friend. Right. Right. And if I'm going to be a good friend to this person, they're telling me that if I'm going to be a good friend, that means I'm picking up their kid, right? It's again, they're defining what being a good friend means. And I am adjusting my perspective or my thoughts or my beliefs or my feelings to theirs. Okay. Everybody needs to understand this because (laughs) truly like this Mm -hmm. is really something to understand because there's a very big difference between manipulating somebody to do something and then also gaslighting somebody through the process of making them believe that they are something other than what they are. Correct. And so it's really, really, really important to discern the two of them. Yes. Yes, they can be, there are times where, the, and I get this, where the overlap happens, mm-hmm. where there is an interchangeable. Mm-hmm. However, gaslighting is such an important thing to understand so that we're not doing it just like you said earlier. Don't do it to your children. Don't do it to those people that you love. Understand what that your words matter, that yep. what you say does create uh, emotions and feelings in others that where they may start to not see themselves as the same person that they actually are. Yep. And so that's it's just, it's such an important topic and it's such an important thing to discern because of that in and of itself. Like it's, it's Agreed. really, really true. Um, Agreed. and I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled that you have talked about that because that was one thing that, that I actually wanted to definitely touch on with you because there is so much manipulation that, that goes on, but then we even manipulate the way that we term and term, you know, that we have the terminology of a word. So it's, it's interesting. Um, so let me ask you something. So, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to gaslighting and I have, um, we, we touched on this a little bit already, but mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm coming through a recovery process throughout my life. What do you, what, ter- like, what tools can you give your, um, your, you know, the partners or the clients or the people that are listening to this to even be able to understand more deeply about themselves? Like I do a lot of values work with my clients mm-hmm. so that they can truly understand who they are. Yeah. So that when they are going through the process of, of, you know, trying to detach from a relationship or when they are being gaslit by people that they understand, wait a second, again, we touched on this already, but what do I know to be true about me? Right. Yeah. So yeah. go even more deep into that. And also, cause it, like recovery from this can be like, wow, it can be really brutal. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you then have these realizations about yourself that you've started thinking, I did the same thing. I thought certain things about myself and my coming out of my relationship that Mm -hmm. then I was realizing, oh, wait, I actually never really did think that about myself. Mm -hmm. I was made to believe that about myself, Mm -hmm. which then once I realized that when I took the 30,000 foot view and I saw it for what it was, Mm -hmm. it actually created a better relationship internally with myself when I could see me for who I truly am. Yep. Give me some, give me some tools that you use or that you have people give some, uh, straight up, um, techniques that you can give to people 
again, values work is a big one. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Values Values work is huge. Boundaries. And like, in my opinion, an, um, an actual correct understanding of boundaries, because I think boundaries are really misused and misconstrued. Um, but, but even before that, you know, some of the things that you're talking about, uh, for me, I think it's so important. I like to really conceptualize energy around things mm-hmm. and what is what is the energy that we put into different work, right? And so for me, if we are going to really deconstruct why we um, were gaslit and what parts of ourselves are actually authentically us and which parts of ourselves aren't authentically us, we have to do it with uh, some specific energies, right? And so I want to name those. First of all, because okay. I think it's really important. I think patience, it's a oh. process, right? Which I am <laughs> I'm not the most patient person. I'd be but, a damn patient person. You know, <laughs> right? Um, determination. Yes. And gentleness. Mm. Honestly. I love, um, for me, the Maya Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better, mm-hmm. was like the life force energy for me in this work, right? Because- what we can often do is go into a place of shaming, right? And there's a difference. And this is the next, and honestly, the biggest part of the energy work around this is curiosity. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between the judgmental why and the curious why, right? A judgmental why is, Sarah, why would you allow that to happen? What were you thinking? Right? It's, even the tone is so judgmental as opposed to Sarah. Huh, Sarah, I wonder, I wonder why you allowed that to happen. Like what was what was going on there? Like what values were in comp like and you start asking yourself question after question, just trying to get and huh, I wonder, did that originally come from you or was that a belief of your family of origin? Was it a belief from in you know the church that you grew up in? Like where where did you first hear that thought and what do you what do you actually think about it think about what happens in your body when you think that that's how you're supposed to think or feel about this certain thing like just again the head heart gut thing right it's constantly um the curious why like i i told a client the other day and this is my new thing i'm like you need to be like that two or three year old again oh thank you yeah you need to be like that two or three year old again about yourself Okay. And this is, you guys, this is like, not only, I want to just touch on that really quick. And then we're going to jump back to what values are and what boundaries are, because I think that there are so many people that screw this up. Mm -hmm. Um, This curious self within us, that child within us is something that I work on with my clients all of the time Mm -hmm. because our curious childlike self, we were not afraid to fail. We were told that failure was good because then it was learning. Right. And we didn't beat ourselves up over it. What we were was compassionate and sat with it and laughed about it and learned from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this two, three, 10, whatever you want to say, child within you, I encourage everybody to do more of this in every area of their life. Get curious about who you are and bring that little child within you forward to live the life of your choosing, period. Yeah. And the the reason I love that example is because, you know, you say, why, you know, why are there clouds in the sky and why are clouds white and why, why do some clouds rain and some, right? Like, it's like, it's not just one question and done. Right. Right. It's like every possible question you could ask about something (laughs) they ask, right. To the point where like parents sometimes tune their kids out, but we need to, we need to re-embrace that about ourselves. Like, okay, well, why did I just think that thought? You know, how does it make me feel when I think that thought? And what's my first memory of ever hearing that maybe being said? One of my favorite um, exercises that I do with clients these days um, about finding themselves is what I call the sticky note uh, exercise. So I don't know if you've ever done this, Sarah. Yeah, or done this. With, this is exciting. Um, I love this. Yeah, no, it's it's great. So um, so you take sticky notes and you write on them either one word or phrases of how um, you currently would define yourself. Even even if it's a struggle, right? Like 
you're working on defining yourself that way or you're working on not defining yourself that way or whatever over the years, right? So for example, one of the things I would have stuck on my, probably my forehead is intense, Mm. right? Um, That's something I've been defined as a time or two in my life. Me too. Right? (laughs) And the inference was that that was negative, right? That, That I was too much. Right. Nope, my, my, heard that many times. Yes. My shame gremlin is not that I'm not enough. It's that I'm too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, um, so, you know, you, you do all these different sticky notes and you put them all over yourself. Um, and then one by one, you take them off. Mm. Okay. You put them on the floor in front of you or wherever you want to put them. And then you, you categorize them into three category categories. One. Oh, a side note, it's also helpful if you can remember where these definitions came from. Sometimes they overtly came from other people. Sometimes they're things that we came up with ourselves, right? So if somebody says something to you, right, like you're intense and then you put intense on you and you're like, I think that's negative, right? Like we, right? Like we can do this to ourselves, right? So anyways, the three categories. First category is, nope, this is not me. This came from my ninth grade basketball coach right? Like, and that's, I'm not, I don't want that one anymore. I'm tearing it up. I'm going to burn it. Burning is my favorite, by the way. I'm a big advocate for burning shit. Love it. Um, you, you say, um, yes, this is me, but I need to redefine it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I still say I'm intense, but now I love my intensity. It helps me be good at what I am, what I do. It helps me love the way that I love right? Um, I, I always attribute this to Glennon. I say Glennon, like she's Prince because she, I also like to imagine that she's one of my best friends. Um, she once said something about, um, don't become less, find those who want more mm-hmm. for some, you will be too much, but for others, you'll be basically just right. Right. Like basically my, my level of intensity will be too much for somebody. That's okay. Yeah. I don't want to make myself smaller to be good for them. I want to find the people who my intensity is perfect for. I, I amen that. And I always say that to my so much, my mm-hmm. too much has gotten me up a lot of mountains. Yep. Me to heal from the deepest of my traumas. And so yep. if you look at my too much, like it's a negative, well, so be it. Exactly. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. So, so again, first category, well, nope, that's not me. I don't accept that definition anymore. Um, in fact, this is the thing I tell people to put in the middle of their pile is, um, the saying that three words, this is my life mantra. I define me. Mm, yes. Nobody else gets to define me. I define me. So those aren't me. These are me, but I need to redefine them because there's been the wrong association with them or yeah, actually these are me. If someone says I'm a good friend, yes, I'm a great friend, right? Like, and so those are your three piles. And so this is a way that we can um, get back the power and get rid of some of the ways that we've taken on things over the years because of gaslighting. Wow. I love it. So let's dive back into, okay. um, what values are. Just give us a quick definition of values. I just so people know. This is- oh, wow. Okay. Um, values. I think they are the things that drive us, that make us feel the most alive. I don't like using a traditional definition. Um, the most comfortable in our own skin, um, the things that we can't do without. Right. I always say it's like the foundation of who we are. It's with, mm-hmm. it's, those are the things that are within us. And when we choose life every day based on our values, make decisions and choices based on those, we are not yeah. steered wrong, period. True North. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes, so, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so um, tell us that <clears throat> definition of what you think of as boundaries, because yes. I know a lot of people... <laughs> Yes. I'm very particular <laughs> about the verbiage that I use with boundaries. I love okay. boundaries for me are definitions. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, or limits, right? Um, so everybody knows the kind of the analogy of the fence around the yard as far as a boundary, right? But what we look at is what does that mean by a boundary? Well, the fence's function is for two things, right? It defines what makes me safe, right? And what makes me feel unsafe. It also defines where my property ends and the other person's begins, right? Mm -hmm. So that I'm, 
I'm not okay with somebody else coming into my yard and doing stuff to my grass or my flowers. And I'm not trying to go into their yard and mow their grass. And right. It helps me know what my limits are. And that is one of the keys for me when I'm working with people with boundaries, because sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, um, my clients will feel guilt around, um, giving their boundary request, which that's the other part that I'm, I'm very particular about with my verbiage. What most people call their boundaries, I would call the boundary request, Mm. right? My boundary is based on my value. So if I value safety, my boundaries or my definitions of the limits is I will, will not be in a relationship where A, B, and C happens, right? Because I value safety. So based on A, B, and C, my boundary request is you do not engage in these behaviors. Right. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Completely. Completely does. Make any keep. That's exactly what keeps us safe as well and keeps yes. us, uh, keeps us in his place of which, you know, yeah. creating the life that we choose. Yes. The, the analogy okay. stuff before it's just, it's What's that? I didn't know any of this stuff before. I remember sitting oh, down in the I, meeting and going, okay, what are boundaries? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what that yeah. is. So for yeah. all of you that are uh, just starting on this, um, you know, this path of personal development and understanding yourself more deeply, these are terms that for many of us, we didn't know either. I just want to right. let you know that you're not, if you're not, don't shame yourself because you're, you're not sure of what some of this stuff is. This is why we educate and we dive more deeper into it. So that's very cool. I have a very quick analogy that I love to use with my clients around values and boundaries mm-hmm. share quickly. Absolutely. All right. It's my cat analogy. All right. So I personally am super allergic to cats, like asthma attack, like have to go to the hospital, um, bad allergy. Like it's not just some discomfort, like runny eyes, like my lungs shut up. Right. So a few years ago, um, when I was ready to start dating again, after my divorce, one of the things I put on my profile, my dating profile was basically, I said, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how great you are. If you have cats, you should probably keep scrolling. (laughs) I literally put that (laughs) because for me, old Sarah would have made concessions. Mm-hmm. Old Sarah would have said, if somebody was so great, right? Like maybe I would take medicine every damn day and carry my inhaler around and all of these kinds of things to accommodate their desire to have a cat. New Sarah, Sarah that's in touch with her values and her boundaries says, mm, I know the kind of quality of life I want to live. And one of them is not taking medicine every day and carrying around my asthma, my inhaler, afraid of when the next asthma attack is going to happen. Right. right. So therefore, based on my value of the kind of life I want to live, I define my limits. I will not be in a relationship with somebody that prefers a cat over me exactly. or over my health. Right. right. So side note, if someone would have said, well, if we're a match, and we hit it off, I'll get rid of my cat. Be like, okay, cool. Well, let's give it a try. Yeah. As long as you know, the cat will have to go. <laughs> right. But, but basically that's the idea, right? The, the three are, and where the gaslighting piece comes in, by the way, is people will challenge both our values and our boundary mm-hmm. request, right? They will say, well, that's mean of you. Like, why aren't you willing to accommodate this? Or, you know, cats are so great, you know, they don't have to be taken on walks and all of the things, right? So if we're not aware of that gaslighting piece, we may be doing all the work we want to around the values and boundaries, but someone comes in and it can, it can really wreak some sabotage in there between us having that confidence in communicating and living true to our values and our boundaries. So for me, they're a trifecta. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great analogy, by the way. Thanks. It's a great analogy. Thanks. So is there anything else that you would like to share with us uh, on this topic of gaslighting and um, all things living a healthy lifestyle when you have had this happen to you within your relationships? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that question again? Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with us regarding gaslighting to help us better understand ourselves, um, especially for those that have been gaslit in the past or are going through the experience right now? 
within their own relationships. And again, remember everyone, this is not only about personal, this could be about professional as well. Right. Family of origin, friends all over the place. Gaslighting is everywhere. Um, I think to not, you know, the thing that I think is important to me is when we go to behavior and experience to not be afraid of gaslighting, Hmm. right? Like if we can really get that nuance, I use that analogy of a bow and arrow, right? If the gaslighter is the one with the bow and arrow, if we can see it coming, we can step out of range. Right. Right. So I've had people be like, oh my God, gaslighting is everywhere. And how do I know? It's like, check within yourself. Right. Just, and that's why that curiosity part, again, I can't reiterate it enough is so important. Am I, am I doubting myself? Am I having trouble making this like just, and then giving yourself permission. Um, these are two phrases that I love to use with my clients when they're trying to, to heal in, in, in answer to your question, um, is if I were free to be me, I'd, this is what I think. This is what I'd feel. This is what I'd ask for. This is what I do. Etc. If I were free to be me, and then I give myself permission to. Mm. So I think those two things can really help us when we're trying to come back from gaslighting. Mm. Those are great. Those are great uh, journal questions to be asking yourself. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thanks. So where can we find you? And tell us a little bit more about this app. Yeah. So um, my website needs to be updated, but it is basically my name. Sarah Morales and then coaching.com. So Sarah Morales coaching.com. My Sarah is with an H as opposed to yours without the H. So Sarah with an H Morales. And then, um, I it's in beta testing. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me there at Sarah LMG. That's it. That's just my, uh, my handle for Instagram and you'll get updates there, but coming very soon is going to be the release of my deconstructing gaslighting app. And going back to that information is power and power part of, um, really mastering information is being able to name things. This app, that's what it was created to do is to help people kind of go through almost kind of like flashcards and be like, okay, this is what just happened. What can I pick and choose like out of these different things that fit my scenario so I can help name what's happening. Why that's important is because if I can name what ha- what's happening, that's like identifying the, the arrows that are coming and I can step out of range more easily if I can see and name those things. So. Um, in it, I go through five different um, types of uh, ways to identify behavior part of it and two different ways to identify the experience part of it. So it's, and that's purely all it is, is a tool just to help people begin to name their different parts of their gaslighting behaviors and experiences. That's awesome. It's very cool. I'm really I'm excited for you to be creating something like that for everybody. Yeah. Thanks. Very, very cool. Well, it's been amazing having you on. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with all of us. And um, to all of you listening, please go on in, use this, listen to this uh, amazing episode, and then share it on your stories. Tag myself, tag Sarah. We will reshare. Um, allow yourself to be a ripple of effect for other people, passing the knowledge on so that other people can also heal and um, create the life of their own choosing. So. Thank you for being here and Sarah thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Friends. Thank you for listening to the live boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here and I would love to invite you over to sarahsheltoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.